Welcome to Planet Nerd Podcast. As always, I'm Eric Weirda alongside Jordan Angie and uh, news of pop culture uh, this week. Kicking off, uh, rest in peace, uh, Joey Jordison, founding member and drummer of uh, Slipknot. Um, great drummer, um, even though it's not really my kind of music. Game recognized game. Um, he was one of the best. Um, also, rest in peace, Dusty Hill, bassist for ZZ Top. Um, more of my classic rock style. Um, and also, Get Better Bob Odenkirk had a small heart attack, um, collapsed on set. Um, so, thoughts and prayers to all the families. Yeah, man. Joey Jordison was, that is my kind of music. So, you know, Eric and I don't talk about music a lot on this podcast, but uh, I'm definitely more of like the metalhead. Whereas Eric's more of the classic rock guy, but like you said, game respects game. And uh, yeah, Joey Jordison, man. I mean, that, that Iowa album for Slipknot really kind of like changed my whole outlook on music. <laughs> That's what made me turn to the dark side. So, uh, but then Dusty Hill, like God. I mean, as far as influential bands and rock music, I mean, ZZ Top has to be mentioned. Yeah, I mean, when you look at like the revolution of the Southern rock style. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's like listening to ZZ Top is cool. It's easy to listen to and it's just cool to listen to, you know? You didn't, you didn't have to listen to the complexities of like a slipknot to appreciate it. You can just put on ZZ Top and just like it. Um, and then Bob Odenkirk, man, I just watched, it's called Nobody. Um, he had an action movie come out this year, which you wouldn't ever think Bob Odenkirk was an action star, but that movie's badass. Absolutely bonkers badass. So, um yeah good call out to start off the week eric yeah absolutely um so yeah get better there um but uh let's get into it um i think for the first time uh marvel and disney have made headlines for the wrong reason yeah i like how you kind of put a question mark on that um it's definitely the news that's really kind of consumed I think the entire movie industry, let alone just our little nerd section of it. Um, but we're talking about the multi-layered burrito that is the Scarlett Johansson and versus Disney now in court um, or will be in court soon. Um, and yeah, man, so I'll just kind of give a quick background and we'll just kind of go back and forth because there's layers involving Kevin Feige. You've got Emma Stone now talking about suing Disney. But the basic crux of it is that, you know, Scarlett Johansson, as we all know, has been around in, in the MCU since the beginning almost, you know. And um, yeah, Natasha Romanoff popped up. So, you know, she was able to earn, she didn't have a give it to her, she earned the ability to have written her a contract that, yeah, they'll pay her to make the movie. But she also wanted a percentage of the profits um, from the ticket sales of that movie, which is huge. You know, I mean, it, it, even when if, even if you find the percentage out, you know, two percent of a billion dollars is more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime. Um, so you know, she earned that right to get that on her contract. And Disney, you know, decided they were going to drop. Um, Black Widow day in day access with Disney premiere and you know Black Widow did have an impressive open weekend 
but Disney Premiere had a really impressive showing with it. Black Widow had one of the largest drops. It, it was the largest drop in the MCU history for the second week. And, you know, so all this money that Disney Premiere Access got, Scarlett didn't get to touch. And she basically went to Disney and said, hey, this is bullcrap. Um, you know, I think I should be included on this. And Disney basically told her to pound sand. Um, and that's just where I'll kind of started at, Eric, because you want to give us your thoughts and everything. Yeah, so she filed with the Los Angeles Superior Court, um, stating her contract was breached, her agreement with Marvel guaranteed an exclusive release in theaters, and her salary was based in large part on the box office performance. And it, the suit alleges that Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel. Her reps wanted to renegotiate her deal when it came out that Disney was going to drop it on Disney Plus Premier Access. Marvel and Disney never responded. Um, and then Disney came out um, in response to this. When one thing stood out to me was a callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged effects of the pandemic. Basically accusing ScarJo of basically lack of empathy. Um, and this is where Kevin Feige comes in. Well, and to add to that statement, they also in that same statement, basically they told everybody what her salary was. Well, we've already paid her $20 million. Um, first of all, in my opinion, the pandemic has nothing to do with their decision to release it on Disney Plus. In my opinion, I don't know the backbones of it, but to tie that in it to make her look bad is one thing. But then to be like, well, the rich movie star is already rich. Um, man, I, I never thought I'd say this, but even Warner Brothers was a, had handled this better. Because if you guys remember last year, Warner Brothers had a similar controversy where they announced they were going to release all their stuff on HBO Max, um, which has been great because, you know, we've gotten to see, well, I don't know if I call seeing Mortal Kombat great, but, um, you know, yeah, Wonder Woman 84 was a bummer and, you know, but hey, wait, we got to see Godzilla versus Kong, and the um, but, you know, they did a, the, yeah, the Spider Cut, we're going to get the Suicide Squad next week, can't wait to watch that. Um, but so when they announced they were doing it, they didn't go to their filmmakers either. But Warren was smart to say, okay, we admit we messed up. And then they renegotiated it with everything. Um, so they at least smoothed it over on the back end. Disney is releasing a public statement, basically giving Scarlett Johansson the middle finger. Um, and then, yeah, Eric, I'll let you kind of talk about Feige because now, now you've pissed off Kevin Feige. That's not a guy I would want to upset. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really say much um, in terms of everything. He was just more upset at the fact that Disney basically, really no pun intended here, even though I love puns, assassinated Scarlett Johansson's character. And I'm not saying her character is Black Widow, her personal character. And it's... And that's and he basically came to the defense of one of the Avengers. Um, 
Well, and he, one thing I've read about him, and there, there are a lot of reports, so you can believe what you want to. But, you know, there's a lot of reports that he was pretty furious about this. Um, and one of the things that's very well known about Kevin Feige and what, you know, lends to his success is that he develops relationships with people, specifically like the stars of his movie. That's why this is the first bit of negative news we've heard about Marvel in like the entire existence of the MCU. And it's because Kevin Feige makes sure he takes care of his actors. He makes sure they're paid well um, because he knows he's going to demand a lot out of them. So, you know, high expectations and high performance, you know, also equals high rewards. And, you know, it, it was brilliant for Scarlett Johansson to be like, to bet on herself and say, you know, every other MCU movie's made a billion freaking dollars lately. You know, why not, you know, pay me less than what you would have paid me and give me some of that percentage of money. Um, and yeah, Kevin Feige, I, I've read and heard and I've done my research on this and he... Um, is pissed and he feels a little bit betrayed by Disney. Um, and just to really quick touch on to the issue that, so Disney has a new man in charge um, for the last forever. It's been a guy named Bob Iger. Bob Iger stepped down last year. Um, he wants to retire. This guy named Bob Chapek steps in, who was the head of Disney parks. And when they got announced him as the CEO, everybody kind of shit on it. Um, but it was like, well, we'll give him a chance. And evidently, he's really the partial blame for this. Um, that he's the one that's not running a tight ship. He's the one that's not forcing this amazing synergy and communication, you know, in throughout the organization. And it's clear because really, you haven't heard any issues until recently. What's changed recently? Bob Chapek sticking over. Um, but, so that's there's that part of the story. Then there's more. Yeah, it's just a, uh, it's just interesting um, that this is we're we've talked about how the pandemic has changed the industry and what it means for the future. Well, this kind of makes the idea of what you're gonna have to divide up percentages, I think. If you're going to keep adding movies to Premier Access or add them to HBO Max or like stuff like that, is you're going to have to divide those percentages up in terms of like whatever you get 1% of the ticket sales and 1% of HBO Max or Disney Premier Access. Whatever those numbers are, you get 1% instead of 2% from just one area. Um, I think that's going to be the solution. Um, I, I hope the solution is they don't do it. And I know that's probably an unpopular opinion. Um, but I'm very much, you know, you and I call each other, you know, we're baseball purists when it comes to sports. I'm a movie purist from the standpoint of I love the movie theater experience. And this day and day access as a fan has been great because it gives us choice. Um, so that's never a bad thing. But you've literally pissed off the movie theater industry, uh, the NATO, not the people that control peace in the world, because 
the National Association of Theater Operators, they have come out and publicly blasted Warner and Disney for this. Because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they don't make their money on ticket sales. They make their money on people showing to the movie theater and on the concessions. Well, if people are sitting at home, you know, and, you know, you get 10 people over, they're going to split a $30 damn premier access bill. And the movie theater gets none of that. And it's one of those things where it's always been a respected relationship. And now this, and now you've, so now, now not only have you pissed off movie theaters, but now you're pissing off directors. Um, you know, Dune was coming out, which is another HBO Max movie. And their director last year, Denis Villeneuve, destroyed Warner in the um, media about this. So my opinion is that it should go away. You know, it should be at least like a 30-day window where it's exclusively in theaters. And then if people want to play, play at the premiere price and stuff like that, then go for it. Okay, yeah, you can do something like that too, but I still, but it's still going to have to be, no matter how, if you do it that way or not, you're going to have to, the actors are going to get, and film crew and all that, are going to get a cut of that percent, are going to have to get a cut of that. I hope so. I mean, that's, I all, so, that's, all, that's the point of this. It's not, it doesn't matter, like, I mean, obviously we're just talking heads about, hey, I love the theaters, or I think this is a premier excess and they have launch is a great idea. But that's not the point of this. The point is actor, an actor is not getting cut of a paid service for the work. That and they negotiated. Doing. They earned and then negotiated in a contract. And then in the time that contract was signed, the game changed. Well, then the contract should change. Exactly. And there was an email that came out about that, uh, March 2019, on Ironic, uh, year before everything went to hell in a handbasket. Uh, but it said, here's the plan, but if the plan changes, we will need to renegotiate. Um, that was the synopsis of the email. And that was from Martin. And, and, and now you also have... It did not happen. And now, now you have Emma Stone. She's looking at options. I mean, and she should. You know, it's unprecedented for an actor or an actress to sue the studio, but it's completely within their rights. I mean, I don't care who it is. You know, if we're talking sports, well, if you agree to pay a baseball player a percentage of the ticket sales of the stadium that they're you know, filling up, and then things change where the stadium isn't filling up, well, money's going to come from somewhere, you know? I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense, you know, why if you agree on – a dollar amount, why you shouldn't be paid that. And I don't want to hear this whole, well, she makes enough money. No, you make whatever you are, whatever you earn. And Scarlett Johansson has earned the contract she got. She's earned the salary she got. $20 million on a billion dollar movie isn't shit anyway, if you ask me. You know, like the for Marvel, for Disney, not Marvel, this is Disney specifically, to say, oh, well, she made $20 million. I think that part upsets me about this whole thing is they're trying to make her look bad instead of just trying to make the situation right, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's... I think we're in the to this new era um, of movie, of the movie industry. Um, where I think we're going to see, like I said, I mean, the options um, are there now, besides the theater. Um, so it's going to have to adapt. Um, 
And look, I mean, I don't think the movie theaters will go away. Um, because it is, because this is, I remember this uh, from college. Freshman year, we were told, we were told in one of our sports management classes, it's an experience. That's what this is. That's perfectly said. It's you're not going to see a movie. You're going to a movie theater to get an experience. Yes. I don't just go to see the movie. I go because I want to sit in a nice, comfortable recliner. I want to have that hot, delicious popcorn with that's just sobs and butter, and have an ice cold drink to go with it, and you know. And, I, and more than anything else, when I go to a movie, it forces me to focus. You know, because if I watch a movie at home, I'm going to have my phone and there's going to be things outside and the movie's going to be bright. The room's going to be brighter and, you know, kids may be around. So for the, the movie theater, you literally get to go and experience and consume the movie in its entirety and get to really breathe it in and really get, form a good opinion on it. You know, I, to me, the best movie experiences are in the movie theater. But I get it, though, you know. Like you said, change needs to happen. If you're a family of four, it's too expensive to take a family out to the movie theater. Yeah, I mean, it depends on that. I mean, I mean, what did I mean? I for Black Widow, it was fifteen after everything, nearly twenty dollars for two tickets. That's plus, we had to buy pop. Plus, we bought popcorn, which right. was like what eighteen bucks, I think it cost. Yeah, for like it's just, two popcorns and a drink. Yeah, it's just. So yeah, I mean that, and that's just two of us. That's nearly forty dollars. I think it's on the movie theaters to put value into it now. Um, we as fans need to look at it as an experience, but the movie theaters need to change. They need to create value, you know. Yeah, absolutely, but um. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. Definitely with storyline to follow. Um, but other news, millennials, um, Netflix developing a live action Pokemon show. I it is still in very early development. Um, Lucifer. Runner Joe Henderson has been attached to writing and executive produce the show. And it's a new territory for Netflix. Um, yes, they've had, they have animated shows based on video games like Resident Evil, Castlevania. Other studios are working on, have live action projects in the works. Um, Last of Us, Fallout, Disco Elysium, and Cuphead, which will be a Netflix show as well. Um, so this is really the first announced live action for Netflix and I really don't know what to think I mean Detective Pikachu had some I think pretty good success in the theaters but I don't know how a live action show's gonna go so I didn't care for Detective Pikachu personally um there just wasn't the novelty of seeing the world of the Pokemon come to life. First of all, I, I was a I, I was a devout Pokemon fan growing up. I don't think you were, if I remember correctly. Um, I watched I, was, this, I watched this cartoon and had the Game Boy game, um, but I never got into the 
Pokemon battle cards. I never got into. Oh, that. I was I was all about the cards. I had Pokemon Red. I, I consumed it all. So when I was a kid, that was like one of my childhood memories. Is Pokemon, at least in, for the initial batch of Pokemon. Once they added more than the already ridiculous amount, it got kind of stupid to me. Um, but so here's how I look at it: is Detective Pikachu did okay. It made money. I don't think it made as much money as the studio wanted. But I think the most important factor here is the number one highest valued IP in the world is Pokemon. Yes. It generates more money than Star Wars. It generates more money than Marvel. Um, Pokemon, you know, so, you know, I know we talk about all these billion dollar movies Marvel makes. Pokemon makes so much freaking money on the cards. I mean, you know, they're it's they help they they crushed the marketing of their merchandise and their characters are memorable. You know, Pikachu yeah. Pikachu's amazing little character. I mean, yeah, and then that sort of was kind of eh, and then all of a sudden, Pokemon Go. And it shot, it shot Pokemon back to number one, I think. I think that was the turning point to bring it back. Pokemon's an IP that it will never go away because there's so many things you can do with it. You can slap that shit on anything. And because it's so popular, you know, and more importantly, it's not just one generation. Now you've got multiple generations, you know. Like I think people older than us, I think anybody like 45 and up, they may not be as iconic. But for us, like in our mid-30s, like we grew up with it, you know? And now we have our kids we're raising to grow up with it. And kids love Pokemon, you know? And it, it, it's saving the damn card industry, you know, that and baseball cards. Um, but Pokemon really <laughs> brought back that hobby and that interest you know, in the mainstream again recently. So uh, here's my thing is I, I hope there's a good idea. I got to think if you're getting the guy that does Lucifer involved, there's got to be a good idea there. Um, yeah, there's there, there had to be some kind of a pitch. I mean, don't get me wrong. Netflix will back up the truck for money. Um, but, you know, I, there's got to be a good idea there. And then there, there's so much you could do with it. So much you could do with that IP. You could take it more serious. You could take it more lighthearted. You can, you know, there's no real established characters other than the Pokemon themselves. So I don't know. I think it'd be cool. Ash, Misty, Team Rocket. I mean, I think those are pretty established. Yeah, but a lot of them don't really like in like any like the current stuff. Like Ash isn't a prominent figure anymore. I don't think. Like to me, he's not. Like he he's memorable from my childhood, right? But you don't really see him featured. He wasn't in Detective Pikachu. True. You know, I mean, Team Rocket wasn't in Detective Pikachu, but Meowth was, Pikachu was, Charmander was. You know, so they 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 have these really non tangible things that they could create and go for it. I'll check it out. Yeah, um, it is still in there, and uh, though this wasn't the, though this is the first. Um, a few years back, uh, the Legend of Zelda live action series um, was 
scrapped um, because by Nintendo because uh, apparently some details leaked out and they weren't happy about it, so they just scrapped the project. Um, which that would be kind of a cool series. I mean, I'd like a Zelda series because I mean, there's a lot of I mean, the different chapters of Zelda. I'll check it out. But yeah, they could make a new they could make a new live action Super Mario movie, and I'd check it out. Like, I want good content. It doesn't matter what the IP is, you know. Right. I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm gonna say it. That Witcher series came out with Henry Cavill. I didn't really like it. It was kind of boring to me. But I also am not a Witcher fan. But I mean, Netflix has experience in taking a video game or a non-traditional IP making it into a series and have it being pretty successful. So, if they can take that same philosophy, why not? Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah. So, uh, our friends, uh, our friends in the DCU and Warner at it again. Doing their own things. Well, they're not. Somebody is, but they're not. <laughs> um, yeah, so it came out this week. Um, David Ayer, who directed Suicide Squad in 2016, um, said the Suicide Squad that was released was not his cut. Um, I think David. I think David Ayer needs a pound sand. <laughs> I know when we talked about this. Okay. Look- I know when he, it seems weird that he's saying it now. It's not that I don't so, believe him, it's just the timing. Just let me just ask a basic question. Let me give you some basic principles. And let me propose a question to you, Eric. If I told you right now, you give me $175 million of your money, and I'm going to turn around and give you $746.8 million in return, you take that deal, right? So then, yeah, I mean, hell yeah, that's incredible. You know, even if you, even if you say the hundred, simply they say the budget, that's just the making of the movie. So then you should double it almost to include marketing. That's still almost making double your money back. Like, uh, yeah, sign me up for that. Um, but they never wanted to make a sequel. They never had conversations about it. I just am curious if you think you know why, because I don't. But if they had that much financial success, why wouldn't they have been begging David Ayer to come back? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Honestly, man, there's not mu- there was not much information out there. He just basically said it wasn't his cut. And and since the Snyder Cut came out, DC fans have been trying to rally and go, we want the air cut. And short answer from Warner, no. They will not develop it. <laughs> um, you know what's going to make it impossible for it to happen? Even if they were going to kind of entertain it, the Suicide Squad that James Gunn made, is currently sitting at 96% Rotten Tomatoes before the movie comes out. Yeah. I have not read a single bad thing about it. Lord, I'm trying not to get too excited, but and, I am. And David Ayer praised it, too. 
Yeah. So now James Gunn went into Darius Harris' toy box, took out the toys he wanted, said, I want Harley Quinn. Give me Margot Robbie. Give me Joel Kinnaman. Give me Viola Davis. In my opinion, he took, well, Joel Kinnaman was okay, but he took Harley Quinn and Viola Davis. He took two best parts of that movie, <laughs> put them in his movie, and apparently, we'll let you guys know next week. Next week will be the Suicide Squad review. Evidently made a better movie. I don't know if it'll be more profitable because of the pandemic and everything, but he made a better movie. And the actors have nothing but praise. I have read quotes from Viola Davis. And this is kind of something I'm wondering is Viola Davis very weirdly said that she was happy to work with James Gunn, a director that actually cares for us and made us feel wanted and respected on the set. And I'm wondering if maybe there was some shade thrown at David Ayer in that. Because I have read he's kind of difficult to work with. Yeah. I mean, it, and it might be the, some of that too, but I don't know uh, know exactly who. I mean, it's just a lot of... There's just a lot going on. I mean, it's Hollywood. Hollywood is rumor central with a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it's... I really don't know what to make of it. Um I mean, Suicide Squad in 2016 was me anyway. Um, I thought it was terrible. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, so like the beginning of the movie was good. I think the setup of the characters were good. They made me like Captain Boomerang. Um, Joker is like the hottest topic part of the movie. I didn't hate him like a lot of people did. I thought it was just a different take on the character. But what completely ruined that movie for me was Enchantress. Completely ruined that movie that whole second half of the movie that and the weird putties that they were fighting it was all so stupid to me and I just I'm going to say it early thank you James Gunn for making a good Suicide Squad that I actually want I care about because that movie I just I didn't like it I saw it in theaters I was so excited Ugh, DC just disappointed me yeah um, which is why when Suicide Squad uh, drops next week on HBO Max. I'll be watching from the comfort of my own couch. Uh, because it's a DC movie, I'm not risking my money on it. Um, even though it looks good, and for listeners, I am excited for this. DC has not earned my trust to give me an op- to make me spend money on opening weekend. Um, but yeah, and I respect that because they've hurt you. And they've hurt me. I'm just dumb enough to go back to the abusive part of the relationship, and you're way more apprehensive. So, guys, listen to Eric. Don't listen to me. <laughs> um, but in a weird segue there, Jordan. Um, but in the de- continuing on in the Warner DCU, Pete Saffron, uh, producer of Aquaman, came out and said, "We were never going to." bow to fan pressure you got to do what is best for the movie and that is in regards to firing amanda heard from aquaman amber heard amber Heard. sorry get the psycho's name right sorry yes amber heard i don't know why i said amanda heard but different i think that amanda heard was in the news too so that's why i sort of crossed them but amber heard um yeah um 
and the quote Should also. The quote was also, ahead, if it's James Wan and Jason Momoa, it should be Amber Heard. And they were, and he said the producers were not aware of what was going on in the Twitterverse. But that doesn't mean you have to react to it or take it as gospel or cede to their wishes. I. So, uh, I was but they already have. But they, but they already have. Like you can't sit there and say that when you just dumped a hundred million dollars on making the Snyder cut. Like don't don't give me that as an excuse. When yeah, that, that was you no, know, that was Warner's. That wasn't the producer of the movie. It was, um, but the whole point of this is kind of shining the light on the double standards of Hollywood, because. Her ex-husband, Johnny Depp, filed a libel charge against the UK tabloid The Sun for branding him a wife-beater. Even though there was evidence both parties were in the wrong. And Depp lost the lawsuit, and he had to step down from his role as Gellert Grindelwald in Fantastic Beast 3. Well, they, the courts basically said they completely believed Amber Heard's side. But they weren't investigating her and what she did. They were just looking at the situation and saying, was Johnny Depp in the wrong? You know, if you're going to call the man a wife beater, was it the wrong thing to say? And they basically said, well, no. But they weren't looking at her as a husband beater as well. You know, so just to kind of put some clarification on that, that it they weren't looking at her and what her culpability in it was. They were more looking at him and his culpability in it. Yeah. I've listened to that recording. Have you listened to that recording of that conversation? Yes. And I so I don't I wasn't there. You weren't there. No. None of us were there. I can only take what I hear and just offer my thoughts on, you know, whatever little bit I hear. And to me, she sounds like the type of person. And for all the hotness that she has, she's a very attractive woman. She has twice as much crazy. <laughs> like the hot crazy scales out of whack with her. And you know, to your point, for them to say, "Well, hey, Johnny Depp was accused of doing all this. We're going to let him go." But to sit there and say you never thought about even firing her, at least say, "Hey, you know, we so we did our own investigation," which they did. And we figured, you know, we came to the conclusion that, you know, she was in the right or, you know, something that you can smooth it over with other than just, ugh. Yeah, I think it was a poor execution. And I also don't buy the fact that the producers were never aware of what was going on in the Twitterverse. I, yeah, I, this I took place last year. This took place, what, last year when we were all sitting at home doing nothing anyway? Yes. And it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, I've never really been a fan of Amber Heard anyway, but it's just, I don't think, it, I mean, it's just a double standard that pisses me off. Like, again, I mean, from what I've read and heard, my opinion is both were in the wrong. 
and both should pay the right the proper consequences. Well, we have this conversation on our sports podcast a lot more than we should. Unfortunately, Um, but yeah, sports podcast guys. In case you haven't listened to it, check it out. Um, We seem to have this con. We have almost a running thing where um, you know we have to talk about these horrible domestic violence situations on a weekly basis, and it's kind of getting to be a bit ridiculous. Um, But you know. I just, I don't, to me, she wasn't that iconic in the movie. To sit there and put her on the same level as Momoa and be like, well, you you can't have Aquaman 2 without her. She was good as Mira. She wasn't irreplaceable. Momoa was really good as Aquaman. He, to me, he, you know, he made that movie better. I don't think anything she did in that movie was like, oh my God, this chick's amazing. I know I don't walk away from the movie thinking, wow, I'm sure glad she was in it. You know, it was like, wow, cool. Jason Momoa was badass. I thought it was really awkward. They had a really long kiss scene in the middle of a big battle at the end of the movie. I thought that was kind of stupid. Um, but yeah, I don't think she's irreplaceable. You know, I mean, how many actresses can you put red hair on in a tight swimsuit, you know, and have them make them look hot and say, hey, you're Mira. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I, just because of my personal things, I mean, Aquaman was good, uh, but I don't feel I can support Aquaman too. I, because of that. And I haven't decided, I haven't, I haven't decided yet. And it just, I don't know. I mean, and there's going to be a lot of fans. I think that there's a lot of backlash that this movie's going to face. I mean, I know they just started filming it. It's a target release for December 16, 2022. I think I read that today. Um, so we're still almost just under a year and a half. They were just starting filming, and obviously a lot has to go into that type of movie, but I don't know. I just don't. But what sucked for me would be, you know, like you said, they could make a great movie, but because of this decision, it it it, it won't get the recognition that it may deserve. Like if they go out and they make a killer movie, there's always going to be that wall. But Amber Heard was in it, so you know. And that's to me that that that's not fair of Warner to do that to everybody else that worked hard in that movie. You know, that's not fair to take somebody that spends hours editing that movie or you know color correcting it or cinematography or getting them coffee on set that's not fair to those people to put them in that position where people are going to boycott it and you have every right to like i said i may end up deciding the same thing like i don't really know if i'm going to or not but i get it like i don't really want to support anything she's in I know I definitely won't support any other project she's in, so maybe that makes me a bit of a hypocrite. Um, but it's not fair to those people, man. And that's not your fault as a consumer. That's Warner Brothers' fault for making that situation. Right, and I'm going to go back to that quote. You got to do what's best for the movie. And I know, it's, I honestly think because they just started filming and everything, it is too late. But 
think what might be best for the movie is replacing Mara. It's not too late. They put Tignataro in Army of the Dead after yes. the movie had been completely filmed. And she was the best fucking part of that movie. Like, she, in my opinion, she was the absolute best part of that movie. She didn't interact with a single person that she was in that movies with. But you would never know it because, like, they, they could do things. You know, they, they took, what's that movie that came out a couple years ago? That had Kevin Spacey in it, and all that stuff came down, and they replaced him with Christopher Plummer, like post, like you know, editing. You can do it. It'll be expensive, but Warner doesn't care. They'll spend money if they have to. So, to your point, they should do what's best for the movie, and uh, they could say tomorrow they'd fire her, and I'd be like, cool. You know, now we can full speed ahead towards this. Right, but um, yeah, that's. And I'm going to wrap up movie news. Um, going to the realm of video games. Uh, I know it's not really nerd, but video games were encapsulated into the world of nerdum. The Madden ratings came out. I've never cared for the ratings. I haven't bought Madden since 2016. But it is genius marketing. Yeah, our long-standing hatred for EA um, is a running theme of this show um, in any iteration we've ever done. I think our very first or second episode, we talked about how much we despise those two letters. <laughs> um, it is genius, though. They make me care about the rating of a player. That will inherently change once the game comes out. Once they play one week of football, they go in and start editing character ratings. So this is literally just hype for the game now before it comes out. It's yes, it's fucking genius. And like I said, I can care less. I don't know why people get care so much. Like I've seen the comments, and I mean it's a, it's a fun debate. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Um, and I also I also think too it helps players in a way. Like a player think they might be higher motivates them to play better. Um, and I think one of those right now is DeAndre Hopkins, who was a 99 last year, but is a 98 this year. Um, he's going to use that motivation. Um, but players, players care about this, guys. Yeah, players like, care about it. Like they talk about Adam, it. Adam Lazard, Adam Lazard, Green Bay receiver, said, "If Aaron Rodgers is a 99, I'm not playing the game or whatever. If it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers, no one would know who you are. Sorry." Ouch, but true. I mean, yeah, and kind of leads me into the 99 club as well. Devontae Adams, Aaron Donald, Travis Kelsey, Jalen Ramsey, and Patrick Mahomes. Only four of those I would put in the 99 club because Devontae Adams, I think that might be a little too high because, yeah, he had a great year last year. He was healthy most of it, but he's only been healthy two years of his career. Other Every other year, he's missed time. And when Aaron Rodgers was out with a broken collarbone a few years ago, he was under 1,000 yards. That's not a 99 to me. I'm sorry. And yes, I know the ratings come off this year because pre-season because of numbers last year. I get all that. But it's not realistic. I'm sorry. I don't see it, him as a 99. 
So I, I agree. Um, you know, I, uh, the nine to nine club is kind of a crazy thing unto itself. That's another freaking. Um, I'll take issue, Re- really quick. J- Josh Allen. He's done it two years in a row now. Led his team all the way to the damn AFC Championship. I think it's safe to say he's probably an elite quarterback. People want to bring up Stephon Diggs and all oh, he changed. Yeah, but he made every one of those receivers better. He made people care about John Brown last year. For Christ's sake, he's revitalized Cole Beasley's career. Um, and for him to be an 88 below Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson and just slightly ahead of Dak Prescott, I don't agree with that. But here's my biggest issue, Eric. Have you seen the ratings on the safeties? Is this Justin Simmons? No, well, he's there. Not where he should be. I'm going to just read, like, the top, like, 10 guys. So the number one rated safety in this year's Madden is Tyron Matthew at a 95. Huh? Like, I love Honey Badger. I don't think he's the number one safety in the NFL. Um, the number two guy is a guy that's horribly underrated. Buda Baker, 93. Dev McCourty, who's, like, 100 years old, it feels like, is 92. Jesse Bates is a 91. Criminally underrated. Finally, we get to Justin Simmons, who, in my opinion, is the number one safety in the NFL. Um, Harrison Smith, who is there for reputation, probably, more than he's anything else. So I'm not going to fuss too much. I think he's kind of earned that. Um, I will fuss the fact that Jamal Adams, who you might as well call him a freaking linebacker because he sure as shit doesn't play coverage, um, is a 90 as well. But then these next three, I think you could take McCourty, Tony Badger and Harrison Smith out <laughs> and like leave Jesse Bates. But to me, to have Adrian Amos not even be a 90 when he's been one of the best safeties in the NFL for multiple teams is ridiculous. Eddie Jackson had a down year last year after earning a big contract. But again, in 89 and not in the 90 range is ridiculous. But my biggest issue is Minka freaking Fitzpatrick. Who's also an 89. When to me, he was like borderline defensive NFLP last year. Or defensive player of the year. But he's he's both. He's a corner and a safety. So Yeah, but still, like then he's okay. Better, he's a better corner than a safety. I I would argue he's probably good at both. You know, that's like the Ed Reed debate. Like Ed Reed, guys, this is really sports heavy, so we're sorry if this isn't your cup of tea, but <laughs> I just realized that. Like, holy shit, we're talking hardcore sports. But, like, Ed Reed was a ball-hawking safety. That's what he did. He also lined up in the slot. Like, it, at the end of the day, like, he, he plays safety. True. You know, he he retired a safety in the NFL. Minka Fitzpatrick, if he goes on to have a long, illustrious career, career, will be listed as a safety. He was drafted in the NFL as a safety out of Alabama. Um, so, I just, I don't know. I have an issue with that. Yeah. I will say they at least finally give Miles Garrett some respect. Yeah. Um, the other issue I had, um, I saw it on the running backs. How is Saquon Barkley a 90? <laughs> I get he's coming off an ACL injury, but 
how is he that low? How is he the seventh highest rated running back in the league in Madden? So I could see them putting McCaffrey above him. I could see them putting Derrick Henry above him. I don't know if I'd put Kamara ahead of him. I mean, I like Alvin Kamara. But I think if you gave me a franchise tomorrow and said, here's these two fully healthy, depending on what you do offensively, you know, Kamara's more of that, like, LaShawn McCoy, lines of a receiver type guy. I prefer more of your traditional running back. That's Saquon. But I would only put, like, two or three running backs ahead of Saquon. Agree. Not seven. Agree. It's like... It's just ridiculous. I mean, like, like I said, these ratings are more based on the previous years. Um, and as you said, they'll change as the season goes on. But it's just ridiculous. Um, hey, really really quick, too. I think we've talked about this. Why do they still have the outside linebacker rank? Like, ah, um, nobody in the NFL would consider – I'm trying to think of a guy. Give me a Hassan Reddick from the Panthers. Don't ask him why he popped in my head. Madden has him listed as an outside linebacker. As in, he's going to be dropping back and playing coverage. He's going to be roaming in the middle of the field. Hassan Reddick will be doing nothing this year but rushing the passer. So why they haven't gone in and changed the position to edge Get rid of the DM position. It's edge. You have guys that rush the passer. You have guys that stay back and play off the ball that can occasionally rush the passer on a blitz, but that's not what they primarily do. And the fact that, you know, I had Madden 20. And when I log into Madden 20, you have a guy like Terrell Suggs and Chandler Jones playing the same position as a guy like Shaq Thompson from the Panthers. What? Those are two completely different players, but according to Madden, they play the same position. I don't know. Stupid. Yeah, agree. But um, that's going to wrap up. Uh, apologize uh, if you're listening and not big into sports for that last segment, but video games are part of uh, pop culture nerdum, so that's what this is about. Um, but join us next week um, where we will finally get into Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. As always, I'm Eric Weirda alongside Jordan Angie, and take care. Bye, nerds.